This is Eric McCoy and that show which works to understand the things that we just don't understand. Now, my co-host, Lona Curry, is not here today, and I'm hoping to be able to get him back on the show so I can work to understand that thing, which I don't understand. What the hell happened to him? Maybe Scientologists scooped him up, or maybe he joined a cult. Maybe he started seeing a counselor who has cured him of his transgenderism. I don't know, but all I do know is that he is not here. But don't run off, because I have the guy today who's going to fill in, and we're going to talk politics and religion without killing each other. What a great idea. (laughs) Yeah, at least we're going to test that, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Corey Nathan is going to be my co-host today, and we're going to have some fun. Now, I only know a little bit about him, and as our show doesn't shy away from controversy, we're going to go ahead and get started. Now, all I do know is that he is a Jew from New Jersey who became a Christian, and once he had his epiphany, and I guess he struggled with the socio-political evangelicalism and saw the maybe hypocrisy of the written word versus the actions and words of those claiming to be Christians. And so I don't give you wrong information. Corey, I want to thank you for doing this since Lona has abandoned me. Yeah, no, I've, my pleasure, man. It's uh, it's fun to hang out with you. And he has no idea uh, what we're going to talk about. <laughs> and <laughs> And it is, uh, and as I used to do that with Lona sometimes, so it's going to be very similar with that. And I decided that I was going to stick with politics and religion because you do have a show, as you said, uh, talking about politics and religion without killing each other. Yeah, that's right. And so I understand that you saw our Westboro Baptist Church one. Yeah, that Um, was interesting. Yeah. And then I guess you just started seeing, you know, you were watching at least one other one. Um, and so a lot of times what we do, and I kind of mentioned this earlier on the show is we, you know, do get obviously into controversial topics. And as we talk about things, I'll use audio for those that are just listening or, um, you know, video for those that are maybe watching on YouTube or on my website to validate the things that we're talking about. So I'm going to, um, oh yeah. And again, by the way, we have a lot of fun, right? (laughs) Now, the most confusing thing for me has been Christianity, right? Specifically within the Trump Republican Party. And I honestly never paid much attention to politics until Trump, which I actually know is the case for a lot of people. (laughs) But when you have a, the way I kind of see it, a narcissistic president, uh, this is somebody obviously with a need for admiration, disregard for other people's feelings. Um, an inability to handle criticism, and obviously a huge sense of entitlement, they will make sure that they are always in the spotlight, in your face, right? Yeah, totally. (laughs) Now, how do Christians support a man who, and I don't think he'll actually say this specifically, but believes he is, in a sense, God? Yeah, yeah. The the chosen one, as he referred to himself uh, unashamedly and not ironically. Um, I you're asking the wrong guy because (laughs) because I I do 
read my Bible every day. I do believe in the authority of scripture. And because of that, when I turn to just about any page of the Bible, it testifies against the yeah. words, actions, and character of Donald J. Trump. Yep. You know, and, and I could sit here and share verse after verse with oh, Hebrew Bible verses, like these six things, no, these seven, the Lord hates, and it describes Donald Trump to a freaking T. Yep. And, and then turn into turn to the New Testament. Uh, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, it does not boast. Donald Trump's on the wrong side of that score on all accounts. Or yep. or the fruit of the spirit, virtues, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Donald Trump got none of that stuff. Yeah. Everything you just defined is not Trump. Is not Trump. So <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't figure it out, but I, I kind of can because I, I've I've worked hard to try to understand my brothers and sisters in Christ to understand how in the world are you bending yourselves in all kinds of crazy ways yeah. to get behind this individual. And I think I may have a little answer for you today. And that's actually what I, I have some theories too, but I, I'd yeah. be interested in yours. Yeah, that's what we're going to get into a little bit. Um, but I do want to start with this video. Um, is this going to trigger me? Yeah, this is going to feel yeah, a temper tantrum coming on. Yeah, you're going to love this. Uh, we are gathered in the Oval Office for the National Religious Freedom Day, something very important and very special and special to me and the people that are gathered around me. This afternoon, we're proudly announcing historic steps to protect the First Amendment right to pray in public schools. So you have the right to pray. And that's a very important and powerful right. Tragically, there is a growing totalitarian impulse on the far left that seeks to punish, restrict, and even prohibit religious expression. Something that if you go back 10 years or 15 years or 20 years, it was unthought of that a thing like that could even happen, that anybody would even think of something like that happening. With us today is Hannah Allen, a high school freshman from Texas. Hannah. Would you tell us what happened at your school with respect to you and prayer? So, me and a group of students from my school wanted to pray for a former classmate's brother who had got hurt in an accident. After the prayer, our principal told us, don't do that again. So the next day, parents had called and complained. He told us that we could pray, but he said we had to hide in the gym or behind a curtain or somewhere away from everyone else. And I know that if this can happen in a small town in Texas, it can happen anywhere across America. And that's not right. No one should feel ashamed of their faith, especially in school or anywhere. Well, and, so, and what, what, so what ultimately happened? How was that resolved? Um, so we got with First Liberty. They've been amazing. They supported us the whole way and they sent the school letter and the school complied with the letter and changed it. And now you're able to do that? We are. Good. Well now it's gonna be much easier yet, okay? Alright? Thank you, darling. That was beautiful. Thank you very much. So and I want to mention really quick on that. So you know Trump is actually very funny to analyze because and actually, just a little bit over 45 seconds before they introduced Hannah, he lied. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. Or, or made two statements based on ignorance. 45 seconds, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, the first is this, and I just want to point this out, right? The first is that the far left are telling these people they can't pray. 
And he always uses that, right? Yeah. The girl is from Honeygrove, Texas, which is in Fannin County. And let me show you really quick how far left this town is. Honeygrove, Texas. What do you think? How far left? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what I really think of Donald Trump. This man is a pathological liar. He doesn't know the difference between truth and lies. He lies practically every word that comes out of his mouth. Yeah. I don't know and what you think of Ted Cruz. Not a fan. Not a fan. It's actually 81 point. I think it was like 81.1% of Republicans to about 17% Democrats. It's interesting you chose that clip because that's at the heart of why a lot of Christians ended up supporting Trump. Yep. And he understood this intuitively. He's got this like animal instinct to pick up on the grievances of any, uh, any number of groups of people, uh, whether they're imagined grievances or real grievances. Mm -hmm. Now I, I have found inside the church that there is this sense of, uh, <laughs> I, I got in a fight with a, a really good friend of mine about a year ago over a, a post that he made, uh, something along the lines of, I don't care what they're trying to do to me. I'm going to say it out loud. I love Jesus. I'm like, I'm like, Rod, notice that's cool. Like yeah. nobody's stopping you from doing that, yeah. you know? And it's this whole imagined like war on Christmas, you, you know, like yep. you want to say Merry Christmas, say Merry freaking Christmas, you know, like nobody's take. But the, there is a feeling of satisfaction or uh, folks want to feel like they're a hero, like they're overcoming something. So even yeah. when an obstacle isn't there, they create one. But yeah. then their, their, their own illusion becomes the reality. So when somebody comes along uh, like, like Donald Trump, and, and his, his, his theme in 2020 was he's fighting for us mm -hmm. as if we need somebody to fight for us. Mm -hmm. There's no, nobody's stealing Christmas. Nobody's telling you not to pray. You know, there's very clear. I mean, the first amendment, I love the tension between the uh, establishment clause that no government, the government shouldn't establish a religion, but also the free exercise clause where I should be able to exercise my religion without impediment. Yes. You know, and, and there's certainly a lot of nuance in there. But, but that tension is necessary. Yeah. Um, but he's, what he's doing right there is he's playing into this, uh, this illusional, uh, this, this delusional sense of, of grievance so that uh, folks can feel like heroes in their own stories and they're overcoming. And uh, the secret is there's nothing to overcome. So congratulations. And that's what we're going to actually get into. Yeah. Um, it's a lot of, it's like why he was doing this. Okay. A lot of people think he's doing it just to grab, to latch onto the people. There's more to it though. Okay. That, that we're going to look into. All right. Trump also said that it wouldn't have happened a decade or two or three before it was removed from the schools 60 years ago. So there was a case in Engel versus Vital or Vitali. The Supreme Court ruled that school-sponsored prayer in public schools violated the establishment clause of the First Amendment. Right. right. And a lot of Christians actually celebrated that at that time. Because, because if it's a school-sanctioned prayer, if it's a school-given the prayer, it's a watered-down uh, secular version of a prayer ne yep. necessarily. Yep. Uh, whereas, you know, if... if 
for folks practicing their religion, you know, <laughs> it's better served uh, by by your pastor. It's better served by your rabbi. It's better served by your church community as opposed mm-hmm. to some civic religion. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, so there there were at that time a lot of Christians who were very very much in favor of you know of that uh, that case. I mean, I was in school, you know, I don't know what thirty plus years ago, whatever. <laughs> I actually started in a Christian high school where prayer uh, did exist. You know, obviously in the school. Yeah, I got expelled, <laughs> and I can't tell you of a single person that I know who cared and who fought for prayer. You know, I struggle with these people, and even believing that they believe in the Bible. People in school need to do is pray in secret. I mean, let me ask you this. If you pray when you wake up, you pray before you eat breakfast, you pray before you leave for school, you pray when you get home, you pray before dinner, and you pray before you go to sleep, is six times of prayer not enough? I mean, do people really think that God is counting the number of prayers that you give in a day? Is it a contest? I don't buy it. You know, this is, to me, this is all about politics. And I, you know, I don't see this as a God thing. No. And, and listen, if somebody feels compelled to pray before they have a meal, I respect that. And the school, whether you're a teacher or the principal or a student, there's, there's no school that's going to stop somebody from praying before their meal, any less than they would stop a, an Orthodox Jew, like my father from wearing a yarmulke, uh, mm-hmm. you know, at, when he goes and, and as he was, a uh, he worked for the New York City Board of Ed for his whole career, mostly as a guidance counselor. And there's no school that's going to stop my father from wearing his yarmulke and, sure. and that um, expression of, of his religion. The interesting case that we just saw uh, with Kennedy, the Kennedy case that uh, was just um, voted on by the Supreme Court was interesting because the assistant coach, Kennedy, does indeed have a right to pray. I, I found it strange that he felt the need to do it at the 50-yard line, but you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, I I could see where his yeah. You're talking was, about that high school. Yeah, the high school. The, the coach. football football coach. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The 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 attorney said, well, that's just where he ended up because after the handshakes and stuff after the game, he ended up at the 50 yard line. That's where he felt compelled to pray. Mm-hmm. So okay, all right. You know, it's it's a bit of a stretch for me, but where it started to cross a line uh, that I, I have concerns about how that uh, case was ruled is that. He's in a position of authority. Um, it is still a school-sanctioned event. Mm-hmm. And just the uh, coerciveness, uh, the pressure that students and, and players might feel to participate yep. in that, I think we get into a gray area. Mm-hmm. So, And Jesus I, would have called him a hypocrite. Yes. Right? Yes. He would have said, you know, what is Matthew, someone in Matthew, right? When you pray, you must not be like a hypocrite. Right. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. So you have been reading your Bible. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I studied. I really did study. I I spent, you know, quite a bit of time in custody because of my addiction and I read the Bible. Yeah. I still don't understand it all. But, you know, if you've seen some of our early shows. Yeah. Right. We did our first show was on homosexuality. Right. Okay. And we took, you know, you know, we were talking about different pastors at different churches. Everybody latches on the Old Testament, Old Testament, Old Testament, Old Testament, Leviticus, Leviticus, right? Everybody forgets about the New Testament. 
And they also don't use all of the other things in Leviticus, such as men are not to shave their beards. Right. Or, or, or wear cotton with uh, another, like mix uh, different types of, of fabric. Like there's yeah. all these, uh, there's six, literally in the Torah, there's 613 commandments. Uh, some of which we know about, like not eating pork and, and shellfish and stuff like that. But some of it is really arcane. It's like, what? wait, why are we doing this again? Yep. So, um, yeah. So the uh, New Testament is a, is a whole different deal where, you know, uh, I think it was Peter who had a vision and, you know, mm-hmm. God basically said, no, all these animals are okay now. So yeah, a lot of that right. stuff went away. Yep. Um, but uh, there there is an over... Um, uh, there is some overlap there. You know, you, you can read you can read certain letters that Paul wrote in, in particular um, that touches upon certain subjects. But I I'm now wary of cutting out a part of a verse, like like you, you took it like glass and broke it on the ground and took the shard that you want that that uh, helps you support helps someone support a position that they've already arrived at. Mm-hmm. Homosexuality is a great example yeah. where. Somebody already decided uh, that they're against gay marriage mm-hmm. and that uh, being, you know, being a uh, homosexual acts is a sin. They've already decided in advance. Mm-hmm. They can pick and choose words here and there and have some verses here and have some verses there and make that case. That's not a very good way to read the Bible. It's- Westboro Baptist Church. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, it's not it's not a good it's not you're not reading well. Uh, you're not following in the steps of Jesus. Um, you know, I, so I, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a treacherous road that we go down, I, but I think we need to check ourselves when we approach something with a priori preferences and then try to back scripture into it, which mm-hmm. is often what happens with these contentious issues. Yep. So. I mean, if you think about this, the establishment clause. Yeah. Okay. The very person that people pray to, Jesus, in, in this context, yeah, tells you to do it in secret. Right. The establishment clause tells you exactly what Jesus said. You can pray, but do it with nobody watching. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that seems to be a more consistent uh, thought process. Mm-hmm. Than, um, but, but again, I think it just goes down to what, what a lot of folks that I've gone to church with, uh, friends of mine still, uh, what their real priority is, what the real value is, what they're real passionate about is this uh, culture war is they, they know who the opposition is. They've identified who the opposition is. And it's anybody who uh, deviates one degree off of a certain orthodoxy. Yeah. You know, I, I got into trouble when uh, when Obama was running for his second term, uh, there was a school assembly. My kids were going to a Christian school at the time. And I just asked the question. There was a whole assembly, a special speaker talking about the fact that uh, this this notion that, that Obama is really a Muslim and a Marxist and a terrorist mm-hmm. and a this. And I got up at the end of this the the program and I said, "What what does this have to do with classical Christian education?" You know, and and folks started screaming at me from the back of the auditorium. I was threatened when when I was out in the parking lot, and I couldn't figure out why. I just asked, "What does this have? What, feel how you want to feel about Obama?" I, you know, mm-hmm. he, I, I don't know. I like I like Romney and Ryan, but. I, I don't think Obama's the, 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 you know, the antichrist. So what it was about was I was expressing something that was one degree off of the orthodoxy of you have to have at all times a sufficient level of hatred for Obama and anybody who happens to have a D before their name. 
That's the orthodoxy. That's the priority. That's the value. Not the values that are that that you know you're quoting from from Matthew, starting in Matthew five. That's a pretty good place to start. The Sermon on the Mount. That's a pretty good place to start. Yeah. You know, but but I I I was sharing. I I shared it on uh, with some of my friends on Twitter today. I um. I was quoting directly from uh, from the the sermon. I, I I love it because I always think of it as Devar Torah. And uh, this Christian <laughs> friend of mine, I guess, hasn't been reading his Bible because he's like, "Man, you're too brainwashed by the MSM." I'm, I'm like, "Oh, mainstream meaning, right, 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 right." No, uh, that's actually from the Bible. That's you know, right in the beginning of Matthew, right there. So, um, <laughs> so there's I don't know. We're we're all kinds of mixed up, but that's what it is. The 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 passions and the priorities. Or about identifying the enemy and always being on the attack against that enemy, and even when it's at odds with the scripture. So, yeah, yeah, and that's what we're gonna, you know, the so that day in that video, right, was National Religious Freedom Day, which is celebrated on January sixteenth to mark the date, and it was in 1786 when the Virginia General Assembly passed Thomas Jefferson's Statute for Religious Freedom. Okay, right. And that statute, which Jefferson considered one of his three major achievements, along with obviously the Declaration of Independence and the University of Virginia. And this idea was to disestablish the Anglican Church in Virginia, right? right. And to set the stage for the Establishment Clause in the U.S. Constitution's First Amendment, as well as Article 6 ban on religious tests for office. And so there's a certain irony in President Trump's using the day to push, and I honestly, in the opposite direction. Yeah. And that's actually what I want to discuss for a little bit, right? Sure. What does the First Amendment actually mean? So Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. I will agree, okay, definitely, that according to prohibiting the free exercise thereof should allow you to pray, including in school, if it doesn't interfere with school or others' schooling. So I work in the substance. I'll give you an example. I work in the substance abuse field, we were saying, and we utilize the same principles in that context. So on Sundays, you'll allow for time to attend church, but there's a clause to it. It must be realistic in time, mm-hmm. and it must not interfere with the rest of our schedule, and it must be able to be accommodated, right? So if I have people in the program that are Christians, that are Catholics, that are Hindus, Muslims, Mormons, and Jehovah's Witnesses, it's going to be very difficult to have the staff to transport people all over the place to meet those needs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? And so I actually had a priest one time that was a client. And he was trying to convince us that he needed wine at the facility for his communion. <laughs> <laughs> and we told him that, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You could, you could do the ketum. You could do the, the grape juice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And the Establishment Clause was intended right, to prohibit the federal government from declaring and financially supporting any kind of natural re- national religion, right? Yeah, right. And so why was this important to them? And this, to me, is where I think things are going to get fun, right? People fight this, okay, but only if it fits their religion, because religion is religion or lack thereof religion. And so remember, if you're fighting for this, 
be prepared for this. So I begin my day and I go to my first class, which is history. And of course, my history teacher is a Christian. And so we begin the class with this. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. And now because of this wonderful opportunity for us to practice our faith, I go to my science class. And well, my science teacher is a Hindu. And so we begin with something like this. Guru Brahma, Guru Vishnu, Guru Devo Maheshwaraha, Guru Sakshat Parabrahma, Tasmay Shri Gurave Namaha. And then following that, I go to my arts class. Well, my art teacher is a Muslim. So we begin class with this. Oh Almighty, the one, through Rahim and be Rahim, be kind, be merciful, and beneficent upon our souls, the full of sins. We are one not of sins, but yet your Rahmat and Rahman is still bigger than our evil deeds. And then my last class, just before lunch, I go to my creative writing class. And my teacher there is, well, this is what he says. Amen. Evil from us deliver but temptation into not us we and us against trespass those forgive we as trespasses are us forgive and bread daily our day this us give heaven in is it as earth on done he will thy come kingdom thy name I be hallowed heaven in our who father our hey the Lord's prayer. Backwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. But don't you see that? I mean, yeah. and actually the satanic, I mean, they're atheists, right? Yeah. Satanic church have, have been pushing that. You know, they've been going to um, pushing these after school satanic school programs. And of course, people are going crazy. Of course. Well, wait a minute, though. I thought, you know, if you want to have these Christian ones. Yeah. You can't discriminate. Yeah. You know, I, I think guys, there, there are guys who are consistent in their thinking. Like a lot of folks before, uh, before 2016, uh, David, David French was an attorney uh, and he's very prominent now. A lot of folks like him because he was very early to the never Trump, you know, movement. Mm -hmm. But for a long time, he's a conservative uh, lawyer who was pushing for, who was fighting cases for freedom of religion mm -hmm. um, and free expression of religion. But what was different about uh, David French is that he wasn't just pushing for what was convenient for Christians. He, he saw, for, for example, one of his early cases, I don't think he was even an attorney yet, he describes being at school and um, fighting for uh, women. Uh, I think it was a, his undergrad was a Christian school, if I'm remembering correctly. But um, fighting to uh, have allow for women who are pregnant 
not to get kicked out of school just for being pregnant. Um, he's, he's a pro-lifer. You know, there was a consistency in his thinking, yeah. you know, the, uh, he, he would advocate just as much for, he's talked about, um, you know, high schools, uh, junior high schools, colleges, having, um, having clubs, uh, for Christian kids to gather, but he would fight just as hard for, um, uh, secular student alliance, for example. Um, you know, so there's a consistency in thinking there. And I appreciate that. Uh, but oftentimes, I think you're right to point out that it is uh, myopic in a way. Uh, folk, folks are fighting for their their team yeah. without seeing that, like, hey, here's the bigger principle. You know, free expression, for, you know, the freedom to practice my religion also means that I'm I'm protecting my neighbor's freedom to practice their religion or no religion at all. Yeah. You know, that's the consistency in that. You know, we live in a pluralistic society. So I see your point. I think it's, I, I think it's pretty funny. And, um, <laughs> you know, listen, it, as, as somebody who does believe in God, who is a Christian, if, um, <laughs> if what I believe is true, well, why, why should it bother me? What, what you know, I, I'm not going to impose truth. I can't, I can't impose truth on, on everybody around me. Yep. You know, if what's true is true, then people will come to it on their own. Mm-hmm. So uh, it doesn't threaten me to have folks that have different religious beliefs or, or no, no, you know, don't have a religion or don't believe in God. That's cool too. You know, that's, that's what makes life interesting. And the, the conversations are a heck of a lot more interesting and spicy sometimes. And, yeah. you know, when, when, uh, otherwise it's just a monologue. It's not, there's no dialogue. <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. One of the places that I really want to get to is what's called Christian nationalism, which is yeah. really what this kind of comes down to. Yeah. Um, with especially the Trump fanatics. I want to show you a video real quick. And this kind of goes, this is back to that same meeting that he was had where he introduced Hannah. Um, he's going to introduce somebody else. I actually want to show you this one just because this one's funny. If you think about the irony behind what he's about, what he, what he actually says. We're also joined by Madeline, Marilyn Rames, a former teacher and the founder of Teachers Who Pray in Maryland, if you could. Uh. I'm Marilyn Rames. I'm the founder and president of Teachers Who Pray. I founded Teachers Who Pray because I, as a teacher, believe in the, the beauty of every child and the um, unlimited potential that resides within. I began praying with other teachers in the building who were like-minded and we um, really support each other, built community, built more hope, built more joy in the work, despite it being so difficult. And um, we grew, like right now there's over 150 chapters of Teachers Who Pray because teachers need that, that spiritual support and guidance. And today I believe it's super important because there is a, a myth out there that what Teachers Who Pray does and other um, organizations do for teachers, spiritual wealth is not legal and it absolutely is and i'm here to tell teachers that we need to pray if you're a faith we need to pray we need to buckle up and just do what we have to do for our kids because they need us and they're depending on us and if we're not strong we can make them strong so that's why i'm here that was really beautifully said thank you very much that's beautiful thanks Marilyn. so while i'm president which will be hopefully for 
five years and I don't know, maybe we'll work on the media will work on a major extension of that. <laughs> five years and I don't know, maybe we'll work on the media will work on a major extension of that extension of that extension of that extension of that. I don't know if you caught that. He's out there fighting for the the constitutional right to freedom of speech, but then we're going to go ahead and extend my presidency. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's a major <laughs> troll right there. Yeah, major gaslighting right there. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, <laughs> and so I want to now, and and I know, you know, Trump obviously is typically a very honest man and he's, you know, very truthful. Um, I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> And I want to show you one more video for fun, and then we're going to get to seriousness, because actually the topic we're talking about here actually um, has some serious negative consequences to it that I want to actually get to. But this one, just for fun. I don't think uh, you people with this phony emoluments clause, and by the way, uh, I would say that it's cost me anywhere from two to five billion dollars to be president. And that's okay between uh, what I lose and what I could have made. I would have made a fortune if I just ran my business. I was doing it really well. I, I have a great business. I have the best properties. Also, someday you ought to read a thing called Article 2. Read Article 2, which gives the president powers that you wouldn't believe. Honestly, protesters, they realize it. They realize that there are no consequences to protesting anymore. There used to be consequences. There are none anymore. So that's it. Birthright citizenship is a very, very uh, important subject. In my opinion, it's much less complex than people think. I think it says it very loud and clear in the Constitution that uh, you don't have to go through the process of whatever they're talking about. And, and by the way, this is not a constitutional amendment. You don't need a constitutional amendment for birthright citizenship. I believe that you can have a simple vote in Congress or it's even possible, in my opinion, this is after meeting with some very talented legal scholars that you can do it through an executive order. Now, I'd rather do it through Congress because that's permanent, but we can certainly do it through, I, I really believe we can do it through executive order. Just so you understand, a person comes in, was never in our country before, has a baby, and now all of a sudden the baby's a United States citizen, and through chain migration and other things, many other people come in through the baby, it's ridiculous. 2017, last year, you tweeted this, and I want to quote it accurately. The fake news media is not my enemy, it is the enemy of the American people. It's true, 100%. Not the media. I, I'm glad you're finally quoting it correctly, because they like to leave the fake news. Okay, out. but that's what you said. The fake news. So, but, but the people that are supporting me in particular, they're very smart people. They're hardworking, brilliant, great people. They know when the news is fake, and they get angry when they see all of the fakeness but, but, at, at, it, frankly, the network. There have been people who have been critical of other presidents. They're, they're, no president has liked his press coverage. Uh, John Kennedy, in your Oval Office, canceled the subscription to the New York Herald Tribune. Nobody called it the enemy of the American people. Chris, I'm calling the fake news is the enemy. It's fake. It's phony. We determined that he does not care about the Constitution. Yeah. At all. Yeah. No. No. I mean, well, the, the, the most serious uh, threat to the Constitution in our lifetimes 
you, you saw it play out between election day of 2020 and January 6th. And in, in a lot of ways, it's still being played out, except I think it's a much more serious threat to the Constitution because the cancer of Trumpism has metastasized. Yeah. And, and what, what a lot of folks might be paying attention to Trump and to a certain degree to the events of January 6th, like, listen, we only have a certain amount of bandwidth. We all got lives to lead. But, but at least at the local level, we should be paying attention to our, our local elections, uh, to our, our state elections, because all across the country, there are folks that Steve Bannon is working really hard to place mm-hmm. that, I don't know how else to put it, they do not believe in in the democratic system no not at all. Uh, and they're and they're working very hard to be able to um it, it'll be really interesting to see how this case ends up uh the north carolina case where um the the state legislature uh should be able to basically overturn an election without any yeah. uh yeah. you know independent of the executive branch of the governor and independent of the judicial branch of the state yeah. uh the the state supreme court so it'll be interesting to see i i think that this court is um, going to, you know, it, it, they only needed four justices to hear the case. It doesn't mean that four justices are going to vote in favor of this law. I think that especially John Roberts is an institutionalist. He's going to send it right back to the North Carolina Supreme Court. Um, I think that Gorsuch is also, uh, he's his record would indicate that he's also an institutionalist. Um, so I'm not as... Uh, uh, discouraged by that case being heard, uh, you know, because yeah. it's it's not it's not consistent yeah. with the um, the balance of power, yeah. uh, three equal uh, branches of government. Well, that's a, you know, I mean, the Republican Party has always been the party of the Constitution. Yeah, I mean, in that video, in and of itself, you know, you've got him fighting for the religious freedom, right? Yeah. So he wants to latch on to as many voters as he can. But prohibiting the uh, other agenda, especially within the First Amendment, in favor of bridging the freedom of speech or of the press, fake news, the right of the people peaceably yeah, going to down assemble. The list. Right? Yeah. So somehow, you know, you're, um, I don't know what we used to do to them. Yeah, he's probably thinking of the 68 Chicago Democratic Convention where they were getting fire hosed. You know, yeah. the, the protesters were getting fire hosed or something. Yeah, he wants to remove the checks and balances. Yeah, it's an interesting compilation of, of clips that you put together because it really does go right down. You know, it goes one one freedom after another. Uh, that's that's um, codified. Yeah, you know, is uh, he he really doesn't care about that. Yeah. So, but here's what I find even crazier. You know, and I've said this all along with with Trump is it's not really as tr- much Trump as it as it is his supporters. His supporters. And I want to I want to play one more video, and I want you to pay attention to this, and I want you to tell me, does anybody actually listen to what Trump says? You know why we're going to win New Mexico? Because they want safety on their border, and they didn't have it. And we're building a wall on the border of New Mexico, and we're building a wall in Colorado. <laughs> we're building a beautiful wall, a big one that really works, that you can't get over. You can't get under. And we're building a wall in Texas. 
And we're not building a wall in Kansas, but they get the benefit of the walls that we just mentioned. We'll totally accept the results of this great and historic presidential election if I win. <laughs> Do, yeah. Does anybody listen to what he says? That one in that one where he was talking about the board, the wall around Colorado, <laughs> Colorado, and everybody's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but that that's I, I, I mean, what he actually says on its face, you know, once once you've committed to detaching from reality and consistency, there really aren't any rules because it's it's really become just about a cult of personality in that case. Yep. Uh, but now it's, it's the spirit of that. Um, I hate to call it a movement because it, it gives it credence by calling it a movement. It gives it credence in a way, but he, he, um, he built on momentum that already existed that uh, is celebrating um, anti-virtues like cognitive dissidence, mm -hmm. you know, he, he celebrated anti-virtues uh, like combativeness, contentiousness for its own sake, yeah. you know? So once you've committed to those anti-virtues, it doesn't consistency, truth, you know, other virtues really don't, don't matter much. Yeah. You know, and so, so I did a lot of research on this. You know, I, I used to think that Christians had certain values that they live by, right? And although many... Christians don't live by the Bible. What does a Christian look like? You know, what has evolved in this country and is exactly what Trump stands on is Christian nationalism. And so what is Christian nationalism? How is it different from Christianity? How is it different from patriotism? How should Christians think about nations, especially about the United States? Why did Christians support Trump? To not separate church from state says that Christians don't stand by the Constitution, but then claim that they stand by the Constitution. Patriotism is the love of the country, and it's different from nationalism, which is an argument about how to define our country. Christians should recognize that patriotism is good because all of God's creation is good. And patriotism helps us appreciate our particular place in it, at least I believe, our affection and loyalty to a specific part of God's creation helps us do the work of cultivating and improving the part we happen to live in. You know, as Christians, we can and we should love the United States, which also means working to improve our country. There are a lot of definitions of nationalism. And so there's an active debate about how best to define it. And I reviewed the standard academic literature on nationalism, and I found several recurring themes. So most scholars agree that nationalism starts with the belief that humanity is divisible into mutually distinct, internally coherent cultural groups defined by shared traits like language, religion, ethnicity, or culture. And from these, scholars say nationalists 
believe that these groups should each have their own governments, that governments should promote and protect a nation's cultural identity, and that sovereign national groups provide meaning and purpose for human beings. Christian nationalism is the belief that the American nation is defined by Christianity and that the government should take active steps to keep it that way. America is and must remain a Christian nation. And so there was a scholar, Samuel Huntington, who made a similar argument that America is defined by its Anglo-Protestant past and that we will lose our identity and our freedom if we do not preserve our cultural inheritance. Christian nationalists, they do not reject, at least from what I could see, the First Amendment. They also do not advocate for a theocracy, but they do believe that Christianity should enjoy a privileged position in our country. Yeah. Yeah, there's a great new book that just came out. Paul D. Miller wrote, uh, in fact, David French, who I referred to before, wrote the foreword. It's called The Religion of American Greatness. And it's uh, it's a critique. It's uh, the, the subtitle is What's Wrong with Christian Nationalism? Now, he's critiquing Christian nationalism as a lifelong conservative, as a lifelong evangelical Christian. So it's it's a it's a really interesting book because a lot of the critiques come from outside of it, mm-hmm. uh, outside of Christianity, outside of conservatism. So I, I'm learning a lot about uh, academic arguments for nationalism, yeah. uh, but I'm, I'm also seeing how it quickly breaks down. How to yeah, I mean to your point, um, nationalism is we have these sort of arbitrary imaginary lines in in dirt. Uh, that that define our country, um, yeah. and nationalists would have us uh, uh, commit to uh, these cultural. Some some would say specifically religious um, uh, con- conformity, you know, and and, and other um, uh, other factors. Uh, but but I, I, you articulated it well. You you did you did your homework clearly. Yeah, because it basically says, you know, like American identity, it can't be separated from Christianity. Right, right. Because, and it goes back to the uh, the founding of of the country, Uh, but but it breaks down very quickly because you 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 had uh, some guys who you know were devout Christians. Uh, There were some guys who were you know deists. Um, There was a diversity there, you know, uh, of opinion and. and and belief and practice, uh, so you know they're already um, mythologizing as if Thomas mm-hmm. Jefferson, w- w- you know, was uh, Billy Graham before there was a Billy Graham, you know, and that's just not the case. No, you, you know, um, Thomas so- Jefferson was Thomas Jefferson, and especially he believed that you know God obviously created all of this. God gave you all free will free choice, freedom to choose. And in a nutshell, and I was kind of, kind of talking about this at the end, but in a nutshell, he basically said, let's not play God ourselves and we'll let you choose. You have the freedom to choose what you believe in. Right. Yeah. He was a Christian, but he was saying, you don't have to be. 
Yeah, it's a, that's a really, really profound point, actually, because a true, a true religion, a true faith is freely arrived at, you know, mm-hmm. and whether you believe in the Bible or not, you know, the stories of the Bible are pretty p- profound just a, on a literary standpoint, because God, right from the beginning, Genesis 1 and 2, you know, the, the God created, uh, you know, God created the whole, the whole thing so that uh, man and woman could freely choose to be in fellowship with God mm-hmm. and freely choose. They, they only had the, you know, the, they didn't have a whole 613 commandments. They had basically the one, you mm-hmm. know, don't eat from that tree yeah. over there, yeah. you know? So, but God allowed agency in his creatures so that they could freely choose to follow or not to follow and <laughs> us being, you know, fallen creatures. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, being somehow we, and somehow we think, well, we get to play God. Right. You know, right. we're going to choose for you. Right. And that's not a valuable faith at all. No. You know, a faith that is uh, programmed, you know, if, if, if we were created as automatons, th- then th- that faith has th- loses so much of its value. That love loses so much of its value, you know? So, so uh, yeah, we're, but see, we're not playing God because God didn't do it that way in the first place. Yeah. Now, of course, if you talk to the lady from the Westboro Baptist Church, there's no such thing as free will. <laughs> yeah, double predestination or something along those lines. Yeah. So yeah. I'm going to look at a video real quick that starts with Paula White. Now, I'd kind of mentioned this idea of Christian nationalism. Yeah. Paula White was Trump's spiritual advisor. Right. <laughs> and I want to see if you can see any qualities of Christian nationalism in this video that I show. Let we, the people, have the assurance of a fair and a just election. I thank you for President Trump. I put a hedge of protection around him. I secure his purpose. I secure his destiny. I secure his life, God. And I thank you that he will walk in a holy boldness and a wisdom, God, and that you will go before him. You will be his rear guard and you will go in front of him this day and every day, God. Because not only are we a nation of faith, but we're a nation of tolerance. Jesus Christ, we invoke your name. As we look at the violence around the world, and believe me, it's violent. I get to see it perhaps better than anybody. We realize how truly blessed we are to live in a nation that honors the freedom of worship. Today, my administration is leading by example as we take historic steps to protect religious liberty in the United States of America. We will not allow people of faith to be targeted, bullied, or silenced anymore. And we will never, ever stand for religious discrimination. Never, ever. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of (laughs) Muslims entering the United States until our country's representatives can figure out what the hell is going on? 
We have no choice. We have no choice. Tolerance is the cornerstone of peace. And I'm to the place right, right now. If you vote Democrat, I don't even want you around this church. You can get out. You can get out, you demon. You can get out, you baby butchering election thief. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. I don't care how mad that makes you. Tolerance you is the cornerstone of peace. Makes you. you get pissed off as you want to. You cannot be a Christian and vote Democrat in this nation. They are God-denying demons that butcher babies and hate this nation. Bunch of devils. I'm sick of it. But we're a nation of tolerance. They won't talk about the insurrection. Hmm. Let me tell you something. You ain't seen the insurrection yet. You keep on pushing our buttons, you low-down, sorry compromisers. You but we're a nation of tolerance. You God-hating communist America, you'll find out what an insurrection is because we ain't playing your garbage. We ain't playing your mess. My Bible says that the church of the living God is an institution that the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the Bible says they will take it by force. That's what the Bible says. And that is why I am proud to make a major and historic announcement this morning and to share with you that my first foreign trip as President of the United States will be to Saudi Arabia, then Israel, and then to a place that my Cardinals love very much, Rome. We all pray that we can make a difference. We pray for peace. Just over 150 years ago, President Lincoln called for a national day of prayer today after he feared that we were becoming a nation too proud to pray to the God that made us. If I do something wrong, I think I just try and make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. Today, we recall President Lincoln's words as we sign a proclamation designating today as National Day of Prayer. That's what we want, a National Day of Prayer. That is why I am signing today an executive order to defend the freedom of religion and speech in America, the freedoms that we've wanted, the freedoms that you fought for so long, and we are doing it in just a little while right over here. <laughs> so I, I'm literally like sick to my stomach right now. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean, I, I, I really am. Um, there was something really subtle that, that he said that really summarizes. It's at the heart of the problem. And I don't know if you picked up on it. He said, my cardinals. Yeah. He was talking about yeah. uh, folks in the, in the Catholic church, you know, higher ups in the Catholic church, mm -hmm. my cardinals. Yeah, he always he always claims to be he was Protestant, Presbyterian. Well, the other thing about that is that you know my pastors, my cardinals, as if they were working for him, right? Well, as if they were I, his. And that's and that is literally the premise of this Christian nationalism, though. Yeah, it, it's 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 the most. It's one of the most. I dare I say it's it's the unforgivable sin. It's when you're taking you know. It's not just taking the Lord's name in vain. Mm -hmm. It's it's taking the Lord's name and, and 
and, and, and it's an abomination. That, that literally is an abomination. It's taking, see, the things that are most uh, dangerous in terms of actual idolatry, actually worshiping something other than God, mm-hmm. aren't the things that are 180 degrees off of, of you know, true godliness. Mm-hmm. It's the ones that are one degree off, five degrees off, 10 degrees off, yeah. you know? And, and they, take, they take on the symbols and the words and the, you know, the accoutrement. Of, of Christianity, and they lay it on top of something that's completely anti-Christian, con- completely anti-biblical, mm-hmm. you know? So listen, this country's a great thing, but it ain't the thing that's being talked about in Revelation 21 and 22. It ain't kingdom come that the, the you know, from, from the Lord's prayer. It's a, it's a wonderful place. We should all uh, celebrate and, and feel good about our home, our community, our country, where we're from, the people that that we're among, we should. That, that's patriot. That's what patriotism yeah. is. Yeah. But it should it's, not be confused with the kingdom come. Yeah, you know the thing about Trump and when he was president, the thing that always interested me more than anything was when, when I looked at the reasons why he does the things he did. Right, his yeah. motivation, um, the whole spiel that he gave. Do you think he cares about God? I mean, not, do you think Trump believes in God? I mean, believes in himself? Not one bit. Not one bit. That's what that whole thing about him waving a Bible, an upside down Bible in front of a church yeah. that he never went into. Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. like he went into the church to have a little, you know, Bible study, to have no. a little prayer. He no. did it as a photo op. That's it. That's all yeah. it was. Oh, yeah. And it was no. after he violently cleared out, yep. you know, the public square. Yep. He has clearly defined, right, all that is important to him. You know, and this is all based on, you know, we always, you know, first Timothy, right. And usually it's misstated as money is the root of all evil. Right. But it's actually for the love of money. Yeah. Is the root of all evil. Right. And this is where I get confused on Trump and on Christians because Trump has laid it out. My whole life has been a life of accumulation. Money, money, I want more money, I want, I don't even know why, you know, it's like, just keep going, money, money, I want to build more buildings, many, many buildings along Miami, I want to build more, but, and I say sometimes, it's been greedy, I want to be greedy, greedy, now I want to be greedy for the United States of America, I'm going to be greedy, I'm going to be so greedy for you people, and we have to be rich before we can be great again. I want to be greedy for you. I was greedy my whole life. Um, you know, I grew up, my, my family's all from Brooklyn, but I grew up more on the Jersey side. Uh, I grew up, you know, teenager in the eighties. So I graduated high school and, and some guys to graduate a little bit before me, you know, they went into, uh, some guys went into contracting. Uh, they went into, you know, one guy did uh, landscape. One guy did, uh, he was, he laid down cement. Uh, another guy did um, commercial plumbing. So a lot of these guys got some of their first big projects. Uh, I forget if it was the Taj or another thing that he was building, uh, the Trump was building in AC. But um, in, in every case, each I, I know two guys in particular that, that went through this where um, it was their biggest project ever. They were really excited to get it. But in, every, in one case, um, one guy waited a year he didn't get paid at all. He ended up not getting paid. That one guy ended up not getting paid at all. Another guy, he waited a year and he ended up settling for 30 cents on the dollar. The guy who didn't get paid ended up losing his business because he was already out money. He was paying his, his guys. 
you know, and uh, sadly, you know, the, the, the financial trouble that he ran into, you know, he ended up getting a divorce, you know, shortly thereafter, uh, the other guy, it ruined his business, you know, but he had to fight for, for, you know, 12, 14 months before he even got 30 cents on the dollar. And this is just the way this is, this, this was standard practice for Trump, you know? So, and what's, what's specifically ironic about that is like, look, you know, there are some guys who are really good at what they do um, and they do it in an ethical way and they, they build up a, a great deal of wealth. It's almost like the money is almost like a scoreboard for them being good at what they do. There are other guys who, what they're good at is, is stealing at a mass scale at the expense of others. The other thing that's, that, that is particularly uh, evil about that is that a huge base of, of, of Trump support is from those very guys. The same guys that I graduated high school that went into, you know, working with their hands, building up small businesses. A lot of these same guys, you know, from are, are the very ones who are supporting him now. Mm-hmm. So Trump has always been Trump. You yeah. know, we knew who he was. You know, I was, I, you know, going back to ruining the USFL, <laughs> yeah. you know. So when like Trump does something or did things such as these, this religious, you know, freedom thing. There are real consequences that come from this. Yeah. The one thing that I wanted to mention real quick, and it has to do with the rules governing governing um, faith-based organizations that receive government funding to provide right social services for people. The Obama administration, it was decided that faith-based organizations would have to refer clients who objected to their religious character to alternative providers. So if you went to somebody and then they would transfer you if it wasn't within your faith. So if you were, you know, a Christian and you objected to receiving drug counseling at an Islamic faith-based organization, they would have to refer them. Now, according to this new rule change, it wouldn't happen. It would no longer have to do that. Trump quoted, and I didn't actually play this, Trump quoted Jefferson as saying, you know, he said, the God that gave us life gave us liberty. But he argued in the Declaration of Independence that the laws of nature and of nature's God, and you know, man, and the first paragraph is the religious statute that proclaims one of those entitlements, freedom of thought. But you have the, you know, the right to choose for yourself. And to Jefferson, nature's God gives man the freedom to choose his religious beliefs. That's kind of what I was saying, you know. So this is the divinity whom Deus of the time accepted, a God who created the world and is the final judge of man, but who does not intervene in the affairs of man. There's also something that is very anti-conservative. Um, it is. It is. There's a subtle difference between a, a lot of the rights, a lot of the freedoms that are outlined, in particular in the Bill of Rights. Um, there's a coming attraction even in the Declaration of I- Independence. The, the the principle is that these these truths are self-evident, and these rights, as you're laying out, are God-given. Like these rights aren't given to us by the government. The government, if anything, is there to assure those freedoms, mm-hmm. but they're not given by the government. Mm-hmm. Now, an individual like Donald Trump. Uh, said in in so many different ways, uh, so many different times that his mindset was that he, he was granting those freedoms, not, not, not protecting or assuring 
but but granting them. Yeah, that's why. That, I mean, he is the greatest narcissist out there. You know, right. everything's about him. So right. the question comes, and this is really where I wanted to get to, and I think this is the this is why did Trump really want to emphasize this new thing? Right. Okay. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you the video right here that I believe gives us the full answer on why he pushed this stuff. No American should be forced to choose between the dictates of the federal government and the tenets of their faith. As I campaigned across the country, faith leaders explained that they were prevented from speaking their minds because of a 1954 rule known as the Johnson Amendment. I spoke about it a lot. Under this rule, if a pastor, priest, or imam speaks about issues of public or political importance, they are threatened with the loss of their tax-exempt status, a crippling financial punishment, very, very unfair, but no longer. I promised to take action if I won. If I didn't win, I gave you no promise, that's for sure. If I didn't win, I guess I'd be gone, right? I'd be out enjoying my life, I think. But I wouldn't be helping you with the Johnson Amendment. And to this end, this financial threat against the faith community is over. Okay, so if you look at the big picture, he's greedy. <laughs> he's all about money. Yeah. The Johnson Amendment. Okay. The Johnson Amendment does not say that a pastor cannot speak. Right. Like he outlined is that they cannot speak. No, that has nothing to do with it. The Johnson Amendment has to do with churches donating money or giving money to political candidates, right? And the reason being is that, you know, if it, because then it would be a tax write-off. The conservatives, again, argue that, you know, they want the law overturned to allow pastors to preach freely about politics. But it doesn't have anything to do with that. And one of the biggest fears and the reason it was put in place was that if you had a church, people donated to the church, then the church could use those donations and they could put it to a political party. And so if he can remove that, he's talking about a lot of money. Yeah. Because you're going to have a lot of these evangelicals because that's who he's latched onto. They love him. Pastors and, and things can donate money, but they have to do it from their own pocket. As, as an individual. Yeah. You can't do it from the church. They can right. donate though. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was, I was sent uh, the the main pastor from the school that my kids were going to by the, one of the biggest mistakes of my life, uh, <laughs> but we can't relive the past. Um, so the main pastor that was associated with the school did a whole month of sermons uh, in October of I guess this was 2012. So it was right about that same time that I went to that assembly, you know, talking uh, four, four, four or five separate sermons where it was all politics. It was all politics. Mm -hmm. Now, the biggest problem that I had with it was that more frequently than not, the verses that he was using, and like I said before, we, we, I referred to they were shards of verses because he, he'd rip a half a verse here, half a verse there. And oftentimes, more often than not, actually, throughout the entire sermon series, 
if you simply kept on reading, you would find that the principle that he was trying to uh, establish, it was just the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like he preached from the top of uh, Leviticus 19. Um, and this guy had a very you know anti-immigration stance. But if you simply just read the chapter, yeah, it's essentially advocating for an open yeah. border policy. We did a show on that. We did a show on, I think we were talking about, you know, some of the, the most wealthy evangelical Christians out there. And we were talking about that specific thing. And I reused um, uh, Olstein's father, okay, Joel Olstein's father, as, as one example. And he was talking, you know, the whole thing about speaking in tongues. Right. Yeah. So he did this whole thing on speaking in tongues and he would say, go to verse, whatever. And he, and then he would read this and then he'd go, now we're going to jump to this and read this. And, okay, yeah. Now we're going to jump to this. Every verse in between those contradicted what he was saying. Right. Right. Yeah. It's called proof texting. You know, like, like I said before, a lot of times you, and, and that's been an issue for me. I, I've been kicked out of a few Bible studies mm-hmm. for saying, Hey fellas, let's, let's keep reading. Mm-hmm. What, what else does this say here? You know, but a lot of us, um, a, a lot of folks, I, I go to a, a really great church now, uh, but, uh, you know, because they, they actually read contextually, you mm-hmm. know, and they yeah. teach contextually, yeah. whereas a lot of churches, unfortunately, folks come to it with a priori, like they're predisposed. They've already decided what their political preferences are yeah. and hell or high water. They're going to back their scripture into it. Yeah. They're going to figure out a way to back. I just don't think that's a, that, I don't think that's faithful. Uh, I don't think it's intelligent, particularly intelligent, you know? Uh, so I, I've been fighting a good fight. I can't snap my fingers and change the whole thing, uh, obviously. But I, what I've been trying to do is just one conversation at a time, one friend at a time, yeah. you know? And, and even in those conversations, I can't change people 180 degrees off of what their, you know, preferences have been about whatever, immigration, guns, you, you, you know, you name it. But I, I'd like to think that in gentleness and respect, I've been a little hard edged, sharp elbows here in this conversation, but um, <laughs> I've found that w- when I'm, when I'm uh, open to the relate, you know, committing to the relationship, be, uh, going about it in a more relational way, uh, in a gentle, loving way uh, that I can, I can maybe persuade somebody a little bit, just a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, that also means though, uh, I'm most effective when I'm open to the possibility of being persuaded myself on certain things, yeah. but I, I'm, I'm cool with that. Like, because at the end of the day, I'm committed to, to truth. So, yeah. you, you know, so if, if, if I discover that I'm completely wrong and Donald John Trump is the next coming of the Messiah, oh, so be it. We're, now we're I know screwed. that that's not true. <laughs> so we're I'm all screwed, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm comfortable with the, 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 that possibility, yeah. you know, because I'm com- because at the end of the day, my, my agenda isn't for the Democrats or the Republicans or the independent. My, my agenda is for the truth. Yeah. I'm pursuing the truth. Yeah. So that's why, you know, this show, I, I love doing this show just because I learned an enormous amount by doing the show. Yeah. Um, with all the research that I do. And, and it was always a big question that I had was why do all these evangelical Christians, you know, support this guy who is clearly not living a life in Christian, uh, you know, of, of what Jesus would define as being a Christian, literally the opposite. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, his, you know, you listen to his speeches and just 
battering people and berating people. And, you know, I could get on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. I wouldn't lose a single supporter. No, like I said, I, I think that the heart of it is that there's this perception of a culture war that our way of life is under attack and we need somebody fighting for us. Yep. I think that's what's at the heart of it. Yep. So, you know, the, and there's a lot of um, fuel for that, you know, uh, there's, there's, because the fact is, e- even if there's a good church, a good pastor who's really committed to um, universal uh, virtues, like it, whether folks who are listening are, are Christians or not, there's mm-hmm. a, there's a lot of good stuff actually in the Bible. Like they, there's good virtues, even if, like I said before, even if you're just reading it as literature, um, there's a lot of great lessons to be learned from that. So there are good pastors out there that are teaching well, but those good pastors will tell you that, listen, I have these folks for an hour a week, maybe mm-hmm. two, <laughs> you know, but Tucker Carlson has them for 10. You know, and and his between Tucker Carlson and Dan Bongino on the podcast and all the other people that they're it's 15, 20, 25 hours a week that they're getting fed this nationalist stuff, this this culture war stuff that anybody who's even, you know, just just uh, who who maybe there's a rumor that they might vote for a Democrat is the enemy, (laughs) you know. Yeah. So so that's what's in their heads. They're getting that food all day, every day. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's hard to, it's hard to fight against that, but that's why I'm gay. I'm committed to having those conversations. Yeah. You know, I can't change the whole thing. I can't take, you know, Sean Hannity's whole audience, but maybe I can have a beer with somebody mm-hmm. and, uh, and just season, season it just a little bit. Yeah. You know, and just that conversation. I mean, I think it's important, you know, yeah. just being able to put out your side to it. And I don't, you know, I work with, you know, again, I work with the substance abuse field and, you know, we deal with very emotionally unstable people a lot of times. Yeah. And some of the things that I always talk about is that, you know, we want to move away from thinking that number one, I can change people's minds, you know, or move away from this idea that, that I have anything close to that power. You're never going to be able to do that. All you can do is you can put your two cents in, put your information out there. Some may grab it. Some may latch onto it. Some may, you know, appreciate it and, and, take it. Um, some won't, and I'm okay with that. And that's, you know, I don't, I don't really believe that. And it, it kind of creates a much calmer environment. When I was out on drugs, meth was my drug of choice for a lot of years. I thought I was God, Mm. (laughs) you know, and then it was very relieving when I got clean and sober to realize that, man, I don't need all that pressure. It's yeah. a lot of pressure to be God, you know? Right. Yeah. The whole universe <laughs> is depending on you. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, man, you guys are all screwed. So, you know, what? I'll, <laughs> I'll let this go. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. No, that's, that's my approach. I, I have a few things that I keep in mind that, you know, I, I'm much more relational than transactional in, in these encounters uh, that, I, you know, I, I'm not there to score points or, or change, change the, their mind. I, if, if I have an agenda, it's, it's, uh, I think of it as bam, book another meeting, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, in yeah. business terms. Yeah. But it, it really is that because if, if I'm in the relationship, you know, if, if I don't, if I'm not looking to close a transaction and I'm more committed to the relationship, I'm still in the game, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. then, then, uh, dude, you're such a deadhead, man. <laughs> going down the road yeah. feeling fine baby i, I think that's why we, we kind of you know yeah we get along well you know yeah yeah <laughs> um, that was the thing on jerry you know jerry you know how many songs they wrote that were very biblically based songs 
Yeah. And, you know, Jerry always said that he said, you know, I mean, he, you know, he defined himself not as a Christian or anything, but he said that, you know what, the Bible is the most inspirational book ever written. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, plenty of filmmakers would say that you rip any page of the Bible out and make a movie out of it, you know? Uh, so yeah, absolutely. There's good stuff and good literature in there. Some sexy stuff too. (laughs) (laughs) Song of Solomon, man, that's some good stuff right there. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, but it's an interesting book. Definitely. Um, I mean, I, you know, I struggled with it for a lot of years. I was an atheist for a lot of years. Yeah. Um, and I think maybe just because I was living a life that I didn't really want to believe that I had a God that was going to condemn me to hell because of the life I was living. It just seemed easier that route, (laughs) but, um, uh, you know, I do, I do have faith today and I do believe in in God. And, you know, I, I live that life. Like I just, I love people, you know, Yeah. and I don't care what, you know, you can be, I mean, you can even be a Trump fan. I don't care, you know, if you're a good person and, (laughs) you know, um, none of that matters to me. Well, hey, I want to thank you for doing this, man. I really this appreciate was... it. And I want to say, um, I was um, kind of a little, little uncertain on, on you know, today because obviously I didn't know you at all. Yeah. And uh, and so I wasn't really, you know, I was kind of just playing around with different things, you know, to see. <clears throat> but um, I was thinking it would be really cool to do another one, maybe. Oh yeah, uh, and, it, uh, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. Yeah. Um, so now I got, I actually got kind of a feel for you a little bit now. And, um, and so, yeah, maybe you can help me out again with my next show. Absolutely. Yeah. Just, uh, it, we'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Just, okay. uh, you, you know how to get a hold of me. Yeah. So happy to, happy to do it. Yeah. This absolutely. is, this is definitely different than the, the typical thing I, I do, but, uh, yeah. Happy to, to me, I got another show, you know, called high wall clean. And, uh, I did, that's a very different, you know, animal from what we're doing, what we do do here. Yeah. Um, and uh that one's recovery based you know okay. so gas things like that would be more of a conversation but like this is too but it, it was you know we have a lot of fun with this sure um and uh make some people look very stupid and you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it's not like we make them look stupid it's no they and they do it themselves you know <laughs> yeah yeah just you know open the door for them you know so all right yeah i want to i want to thank everybody for uh tuning into um uh, another episode of Walk a Mile in My Shoes, Lona. Fuck you. And no, I'm just <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah. So uh, again, thanks again for for doing this, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks. <laughs>